Our message this morning will be coming from Luke, uh, John chapter 21, but before we go there, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and two boats, he saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And when he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished, at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. Now, John chapter 21 is where we'll be going. It stands alone as a recording of the first or the post-resurrection appearances of Christ. And there will be much to see, much to grasp, much in the way of what is symbolic. But as we begin, as I have read in Luke chapter 5, Have you ever been to a place where you don't think you've ever been there before, but it feels like you have? Like you're living an event all over again. It was one of those things that was referred to as deja vu, and I've heard all kinds of different things. Well, that's a Buddhist thing. Well, no, it's not really because it wasn't the term deja vu didn't come into vogue till 1876. We can thank the French for that. It was a term coined in France. But what's happening in John chapter 21 should bring to memory those things that we have just read in Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. This that we just read was the calling of his disciples. John 21 will be 
the beginning of his commissioning and empowering of them for their mission. In Luke chapter 5, they are called from their normal work as fishermen to the work that Christ titled the catching of men. The lesson will also be amazingly similar. Peter says, we've toiled all night and we have caught nothing. But we see that in verse 4, Jesus had told him to go go out and cast the net for a catch. And Simon did what he did out of obedience. And we can see from verses 5 to 8, those things that took place and then the great astonishment and recognition from verses 9 through 11. Under the command of Jesus, they had great success. Now, believe me, this is not a brief for the, <laughs> by any means for the prosperity gospel. Just listen to Jesus and your nets will be full. You'll, you'll, you'll never lack for anything. But instead, we're going to see that both of these are going to teach us the same thing that Jesus taught in John 15 in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For what? For without me, ye can do some things. Nothing. Ye can do nothing. And it's going to be clearly brought out to us. And more so the example and illustration of the lordship of Jesus Christ over his creation. For he has the power over the fish. Uh, and this is not the only time. Remember, Peter was questioned about whether the disciples paid taxes. And he was uncertain. He, he comes to Jesus and, and he talks to him about that. And what does Jesus tell him? You go to this place. You cast a line, and the first fish that you bring out, open its mouth, and a coin will be in its mouth. Go and pay our taxes with it. Now, he directs that whole incident. So at the time that Peter casts his line into the water, that fish would be there, and that fish would be caught. And all these things happening together show again the Lord's control and power over these things. In this case, Jesus was in the boat with Simon. But as we come to John chapter 21, we begin reading on this, John chapter 21 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night... They caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, 
Have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. I always think that's, you know, we don't look for humor necessarily in Scripture. But Peter's fisher coat was a very heavy coat. I mean, it wasn't nylon. It hadn't been invented then. It wasn't a nylon shell that he was putting on. This was a a heavy uh, woolen kind of garment. And so what does he do? He throws it on, and then what does he do? He jumps in the water, which immediately that would make for a very heavy and difficult way to get into the shore. But when Simon Peter heard it was uh, the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But it's also a confession of sin. It goes back to the garden. You see, he was unclothed as he was on the boat. So before he could peer before the Lord, he felt like he needed to be covered. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. 200 cubits. Let's do a little math here. A cubit is roughly 18 inches. So you've got 18 inches. There's 200 cubits, 218 inches. Now you can multiply that out if you want, but you can ask yourself this. How long is a yard? 36 inches. What's half a yard? 18. So if it's 200 cubits, the result is 100 yards. All right, so fill that out, turn in your work afterward, and we'll make sure you show your work on your paper. So they're 100 yards from shore, shore, and they come in with the boat, dragging the net with the fish. And then as soon as they come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so in John chapter 21, we have the last of the miracles that Jesus would perform. It takes place in Galilee, which was the place also of his first miracle. It says he's on the Sea of Tiberias, but the original name of the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. 
The Sea of Tiberias got its name from one of the Roman rulers. We see a lot of miracle or parallels from this in the first miracle. In the first miracle, you remember it was the changing of the water to wine. In the first miracle, the pots were filled to the brim. In the last miracle, the nets were filled to the point of breaking. The first miracle took place when he said, they have no wine. The last took place when they said, we have no fish. And so we, we come to this after these things. In verse 1, Jesus showed himself again to his disciples. The English Standard Version says he revealed himself, which comes closer to the word, actually, in the original, which means to manifest or make visible or known what was hidden or unknown. It is worth noting that as we read verse 1, it doesn't say this, after these things the disciples saw Jesus again. But it tells us that Jesus revealed himself to them. Had he changed physically? Oh, yes, we hear all those arguments. His body was different. This was different and all that. But Jesus made a point of proving that his body was the same body that he had had from the drinking and eating that he took that took place. But there's been a change. And the change shows us how it's going to be from that point on. That Christ would reveal himself to those to whom he came to reveal himself. As the ancient father Chrysostom wrote, it was a time to walk by faith and not by sight. And so everyone there to whom Jesus would appear to would not know who he was until he revealed himself and then by faith they received who he was. And that's the same thing that happens today. Peter, appearing to need something to do, says, I'm going fishing. And we are told there were six others that went with him. They decided all to go together. We see that they fished all night. And in verse 3, they caught nothing. One might wonder, Weren't they told by Jesus to remain in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high? And yes, this is true. And at the same time, what else is true? At the same time, they needed to eat. In the current circumstances they were in, I don't imagine there was a a continuous stream, if you will, of covered dishes and crockpots coming into the upper room. There's a great deal of fear that was going on, and people were very careful on what they carried and what they brought in. I also think that there was something here that was okay in what they did because we notice when Jesus dealt with them and when he, he spoke to them and when he questioned them, he didn't upbraid them for doing this. He didn't say, what are you all doing out here? I told you to stay in place. No. He just asked them, 
Have you caught anything? And then, and then to add on to the fact that they must have been doing something that was okay, Jesus blessed what they were doing. So the first lesson that we want to pull from this is an important lesson. They fished all night and they didn't catch anything. Whose idea was it to go fishing? It was Peter's idea. Peter's perhaps a little bored. There are some necessities that they need to take care of. But you know, he does what he wishes to do. He does not pray. He does not seek divine guidance. He just up and says, I'm going fishing. Going fishing. And the six that join him go along with him much in the same manner. Well, it seems like a good idea to do, so let's go do it. Yet we know of no command given by Jesus for them to do this. They fish all night. Now, it's not unusual for them to fish in the darkness. It was quite a, a common thing for them to do. But it's not till the light of day Until the light appears that Jesus also appears. And in verse 5, this is a, there's a man standing on the shore. In verse 5, he says to them, children, have you any food? Now, remember Jesus would sometimes refer to disciples as little children. So this, this children is more of a formal kind of, of a teacher and student kind of, of uh, greeting that he gives. But you notice he doesn't say, do you have any fish? He says, do you have any food? And they simply answer, no, and it would be interesting to know what kind of tone of voice that they gave when they answered. It wasn't, no, sir. It's kind of, it's a, you know, they had to be frustrated. They're out all night, they don't catch anything, and someone says, well, did you catch anything? No, no. So then verse 6, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. The man on the shore tells him to cast once more. And he tells them on what side of the boat to do it. And we see what happens. They draw so many that it almost breaks the net. In verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And now when Peter, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he removed it and plunged into the sea. With the catch of the fish comes the revelation of who the man on the shore was. Now you might ask questions, well, since Jesus knows all things, how come he, he asked them if they had any food? Because what Jesus is doing by the question is drawing a confession out of them. 
It's like a child who's standing there and they've got chocolate frosting all over their face. And you say to the child, have you been into the chocolate cake? Well, you know by the evidence that they have. But you're drawing a confession out of the child. And the confession here is that which they had designed to do, they were completely unsuccessful in it. And this is the process they're going to be led through. Going in their own strength, they failed. And the whole understanding, as Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Not those who think they're righteous, but those who hunger for it, those who know they don't have it. He said, they're the ones that will be filled. You see, you must see that you are empty before you can be filled. You must see your weakness before you can have his strength. You must confess your unrighteousness before you can have his righteousness. Remember Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners... To repentance. Now notice again, they drag the fish to the shore. But then when we look at verse 9, as soon as they had come to land, note this, they, they saw a fire of coals there. What's on the, fi- on the coals? Fish and bread. Jesus had already provided They see fish on the fire and bread already and and nothing, not a a bit of this that they were about to partake was uh, supplied by them. Jesus tells them in verse 10, bring some of what you caught, but it wasn't necessary because he had already provided them with all they would need. Now we're going to quickly draw some, some lessons from this, some understandings. First, Peter acts out of his own self design. He's not told to do this. It's his own idea. It's own leading. And six others would join him because they were following the human leadership that Peter was giving. They did did something that made sense to them, but they did it in their own strength. Second, we see that they are shown the failure of the enterprise and the emptiness of their effort. And thirdly, but then they do the work the way the Lord commands. And their nets are filled to the full. Now these are men who have fished all their lives. And yet they are told by someone who is not a fisherman where to cast their net to get their catch. Fourth, though they bring their fish to the shore, they see the Lord had already provided for them. The Lord provides for his people, those who serve him. And as we saw in the previous weeks, 
each one of these post-resurrection appearances of Christ had a specific point to them and a purpose. And here we see that the point is the folly of doing things on our own power and our own design leads to emptiness. It is very similar when you think about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Baal. They thought everything that they did would get their, their God to answer them. They ran around in circles. They yelled out. They even ended up cutting themselves. Anything to get that God's attention. That's what seemed right to them. But it's the wrong thing to do because it was the wrong God. And people today say, we need more of God's Spirit. And sure, we do need more of God's Spirit. So what are we going to do? We're going to have a smoke machine. A steam machine. We're going to use some dry ice and weather. We're going to fill the room. We're going to fog it. And then people really think, wow, the presence of the Holy Spirit is with us. It's just manufactured nonsense. I, I sometimes wonder, do people picture the Holy Spirit as some kind of invalid in a wheelchair that can't really do anything unless you push him along? Jesus reinforces his lordship to them by telling them which side of the boat to let down their net and then directs and draws the fish to their net. It's not just, there's the school, drop down on it. I've got my my little depth finder here and I'm seeing the school of fish. Go for it. No, no, no. Drop down the right side, fish go. And to the net they went. Uh, if, if God can, can get a raven to feed a prophet, he can get fish to go to a net. And my friends, it wasn't because of the crystal clear waters of the Sea of Tiberias that Jesus standing on the shore said, Oh, there it is. Go, go, go for it, guys. Because if that was the case, they could see the school of fish down there in the water. But further, we can't do and then seek his blessing. We can't do first and then say, oh yeah, while we're doing this, let's, let's ask for his blessing. We need to ask first and then do. It always has to be his work done his way that will lead to the blessing. As I said earlier, it's an illustration of John 15, 5. Without me, ye can do nothing. This is true for all service of the Lord. It's true for anything we do in the name of the Lord. It's true Certainly, certainly for our worship. 
And it's amply true in regard to salvation. One last thing. They didn't recognize Jesus at first. Not till he revealed himself to them. He did it by his word. He did it by his command. And he did it by what it achieved. And he left no doubt that it was truly him. Oh, that we would lay all our plans out before him. That we would seek him and his word first before we went out. There are many people who have done many decent things at first because it made sense to them. But it wasn't in the plan and purpose of God. So let us seek to know that plan and that purpose. And for the most part, above all things, to know that God's plan and his purpose is there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other way, no matter how much man says, this makes sense, that makes sense, let's build a hospital, let's do this, we'll be saved by the things that we do. God's plan and purpose. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's stand together for prayer.